Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. Tuesday night, eagerly anticipated by our regular viewers. It's Liam Kennedy night, where Steve Wraith says absolutely nothing apart from ask Liam questions. And uh, I think that's probably why it's eagerly anticipated. That people don't have to hear me witter on for uh, night. Uh, I'm sure that's not the case, Steve. I'm sure. <laughs> Liam, good to see you, mate. And it was uh, good to share a, a car journey uh, down to a friendly with you as well. So uh, you're back on the road. You're not stuck in an office. Um, so before we get to the viewers' questions, of which there are plenty, um, let's just ask you what it was like to be back on the road as a roving reporter. That was really good. It's just good to, good to get your eye back in, get in and amongst it, uh, speak to the manager face-to-face. -face. I won't be the only one here, but there aren't many people who've really spoken to Steve Bruce outside of his the, the, the players and his family, etc. in the last 18 months. So so it's been really good to to sort of get to be able to speak to the man face-to-face. Seeing Newcastle United live again, um, it's been a mixed bag, to be brutally honest. I was, we were both, you were at Burton as well on Friday. I thought they, I thought they won that game at a can. I played reasonably well, but then rolled it back three days previous, four days previous to <clears throat> to Rotherham, and it was a real struggle. Um, I think we've seen today they played a, a behind-closed-doors friendly today against Burnley, um, and things didn't go particularly well. I think you look at the start in eleven of that game and you have to say that, that there is concerns there if that starting 11 starts uh, the Premier League campaign next week I don't think it will being honest I think there will be a certain amount of players back um, John Joe Shelby has half a chance uh, Callum Wilson I expect will probably be back um, Alan St Maximin has half a chance um, despite his illness and that's one thing that, that, that I have been getting noise of in recent weeks is 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 don't believe that the the paranoia that's building around St Maximin. That, that I don't think the club particularly are of a mind to sell the player, um, and and he is genuinely ill. It's of course up to him to reveal his own medical status. Nobody else, which is why there's been no announcement. But I think most people can join the dots on that one. Um, and I think people are joining the dots and getting to the wrong place. Would Alan St. Maximin leave Newcastle United? As I'm going off on a tangent here, I'll keep walking. Um, would Alan St. Maximin um, leave Newcastle United today if an offer came on the table? Absolutely. I'm certain he would. Um, and would I blame him for that? I don't think anybody would. Um, it's a rudderless ship, as we know. Um, there is a lack of ambition. It's an ambition vacuum. Um, and I don't blame any player for, for thinking twice about not wanting to stay if you've got any ounce of ambition in you. Um, so, look, but the club aren't minded to sell. I think, I think you know, he's probably a 40 or 50 million pound player, maybe, in the market because yeah. of his match winning ability, not because of his consistency or professionalism, more to do with his, um, with, of his match winning ability. Um, but will anybody pay that? I think Newcastle want more than that as well. I think they want, I think they want, they'll want a higher premium. Um, given how crucial he is to this team. Um, so I think we'll probably have him for another season unless there's a mega offer comes down on the table or we see some kind of Harry Kane uh, sort of stomping of the feet type thing, which he's doing at Tottenham at the moment, which there's been no signs at all of, of that from Alan St. Maximum this summer, despite the fact um, his people are maybe stirring things a little bit and, and, and possibly wanting to move. And, and look, that takes one to Joel Willock as well. I'm sure people ask questions on that tonight. Um but I, I don't really, if, if, look, I don't know if, if certain reports are correct, but if you read a lot of it, um, if the lad is having sort of second thoughts, as I, as I read today, then it wouldn't surprise us as well. Um, look, Arsenal's his club. He's been there since a very, very young boy. I, I think it was about five or six years old he was taken on by Arsenal. Um, he's only 21. He's still got a lot of years ahead of him. And he's probably going to be around the fringes again. Is that going to be enough for him? Would one more year spoil his career if he stayed at Arsenal? Probably not. Um, could he make an impact at Arsenal? I've got doubts whether he's got the consistency to do that. Because even when you look at the 14-game, eight-goal spell at Newcastle United, he was dropped from the team. And I remember having conversations. You could easily roll the clock back and look at it. And there was a lot of people on here, on this show, because I remember taking the questions myself and people saying, I don't rate him, he's not good enough. That was at a point we're at in the season. The team were playing really badly. And I consistently said, just hang with it. He's a young lad and he's playing in a really bad side. And I think he shone through in the end. 
It's always important not to judge people too quickly, but by the same token, don't judge what he did at the end of the season as the benchmark of what he can achieve. Um, so that's probably why he won't and won't stay at Arsenal is because they know he was probably over, well, massively overachieving in terms of goals tallies at Newcastle United. But his performances were largely patchy. Um, he was excellent and on form towards the end of the season, but before that, he was patchy. So I think, like, I think there is, I can, I can see the point where. Where he might say, do you know what? I don't know if I want to at this point in my career move permanently in Newcastle United. I don't know if a loan's right for me. Should I stick it here? I could see that one rumbling on a little longer. But I spoke to Steve Bruce on Friday, um, asked him the question, um, and, and spoke. He spoke at length about transfers. Um, and, and one particular thing that, that struck me about the conversation on Friday compared to the Tuesday at Rotherham, which I asked him about transfers again, was. There seemed to be a bit more of a finality about it. There was more talk of second options. There was more talk of moving on from Joe Willock, despite the fact he was absolutely number one target. And that was reiterated by Steve Bruce on Friday, was that he is still the number one target. But it would be stupid to think that we're definitely going to get him because it's down to... And he did mention both names, Arteta and Willock. It's, the ball is in their court. So where that actually stands, it's hard to know. But I do know Steve Bruce really does want him through the door. Um, and I've always said, um, we talk a lot of talk about budgets, particularly earlier in the summer. A lot of people are saying about Newcastle, they've got X amount, Y amount, whatever it may be. And it's always been consistent. I wrote a piece on it earlier this summer, that, and I think that's been written by plenty of other people before. I've read it in a piece in The Athletic with Chris Woff and others, um, is that Newcastle United's budget is fluid to an extent. That if they see somebody who they can bring in, who they think's worth it, um, will add value, not only value to the team, but is a young enough to, to add value, potentially turn from a 20 million or 40 million pound player in two years, which Joe Willock could easily do. If, if he continues in, if he signs to Newcastle for 20 million in the summer and continues his trajectory he had on the end of last season, he'll be a 100 million pound player in a year's time, never mind 40. So I can see the mentality and why you would do that. And that's kind of the club policy that I think they would spend the money on Willock where they probably wouldn't spend it on others. Um, and that's where we're at. But I don't have any, I don't have any, I don't think Newcastle are in a great place. Um, I think, I think it was described by Mark Douglas in the Chronicle as a tinderbox. And I think that's exactly what I feel like Newcastle United is this summer. It just feels like it'll take one spark, whether that spark is another takeover fallen, another takeover dent, whether that spark is no signings, whether that spark is a is a home battering on the first day of the season, but it doesn't feel a million miles away from being an atom bomb and blowing up at Newcastle United. Um, I think it could quite happen quite quickly. I think we've seen flashes of that in pre-season with the criticism towards Steve Bruce. The criticism towards Mike Ashley is always there. That's a constant. Um, but yet, yeah, there isn't a real enjoyable feel around Newcastle United at the moment. And I can see... I can see a lot of people out there thinking, are, there, are we really ready for this season? Do they even want the season to start? Because it, there, there, is a, there isn't a great feel about it. Look, my opinion, and this is my professional opinion as well as my personal opinion, is that I still think even if Newcastle United start this season with a current crop of players, I still think they've got enough to stay up in this division. Does it need freshening up? Absolutely. Um, the midfield needs freshen up big style. I think we've seen that from the start in 11 today. And the players who came off the bench as well, there isn't really a great selection there. Does the back three need freshen up with some pace and athleticism? Absolutely. Um, could we really do with a, with a, an upgrade on Dwight Gale as a backup um, to um, Callum Wilson? Absolutely. And I did ask that question on Tuesday on everybody out there's behalf, because I know it was a big question uh, coming in on the Monday when we did our pre-record was, do you believe we've got enough strikers? We've got enough options. So I asked that question. So anybody, if you come up with any uh, questions that are absolute in this, I will I will ask questions effectively on your behalf. They might not contain the expletives, but I will ask them on your behalf if I feel like I feel like I can in press conferences. And the answer to the striker question was was quite straight. And actually, it's something that I've said on here, and and I do agree with part of it. But not. Well, it's, how, it's how other people pull on their hair out, including yes. Gibble and Supermac. Yes, because th there's two parts to this. The numbers is fine. They've got enough numbers in those areas. Although I would argue in this system, Almiron probably isn't a forward. He, he can play 10. He can play midfield. 10 his best position. He actually played as a forward in the final game of the season, if everyone remembers back to, to Fulham and did quite well. 
Um, but I wouldn't necessarily class him as a as a forward. He's as much a forward as Ryan Fraser, who he didn't include in that little little sort of forward question. Um, but he did talk about Alan St. Maximin and Alan St. Maximin in this system. He isn't a striker. He'll go somewhere else and play as a, as, as a wider forward. Or, or It's not a winger. He's not a winger. But he will play wider or he'll play 10. Um, but he, in this system, he works quite well as a striker. So he works in that system. Joe Linton is not a striker, but plays okay in a two. So so he's a forward and plays well in a two. Then you've got um, Callum Wilson. The problem for me is not the numbers. So Andy Carroll never needed replaced. He was barely used last season. They needed to upgrade the backup. Dwight Gale proved last season he isn't good enough to step in when Newcastle United need him. I think in pre-season, I've seen him so far twice. And I would, again, argue he's really underlining the fact that he is not good enough as a backup. Um, Rotherham on Tuesday, last a week, a week gone, he was absolutely dreadful. I mean, it's only a friendly... But you're looking for somebody with a point to prove. You're looking for somebody. He's playing a front two this season. I want to be one of those two. I didn't see that from Dwight Gale, and that quite frustrated me, to be honest. He's not over the hill. He's not finished. He's 30-31. The guy can score goals. We know that. He gets in the right positions and takes chances. So why the lack of effort? Why the lack of running? Why the lack of desire? Frustrated me that, and that's the problem. So that's the thing why I'm pulling my hair out, is that one of the major positions wasn't just to bring more strikers in because they don't need more strikers, more forwards. They needed a much better version of Dwight Gale to step in if Callum Wilson's not there because arguably, even if you're saying a striker, in my opinion, your front two will consistently be Alan St. Maximin and Callum Wilson unless you go out and spend 50 million on a striker because you've got two good Premier League forwards there. Absolutely no doubt. Um, it's a backup. Joe Linton could come in. And do a good job. I actually, I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Julian develops this season. I thought he's been really good in pre-season. I thought he ended from March onwards at the back end of last season. I thought he really brought value to the team. Um, I went from being maybe in January somebody who said he has to leave this summer to by the end of the season, April, May, saying no. Actually, I think I think he should stay. Um, the other problem is Dwight Gale. I think Dwight Gale adds absolutely nothing. I'd love him to prove me wrong, but unfortunately, I'm. I'm I doubt I will be proved wrong because he just looks like he's lost that little bit of hunger. Um, he had it the back end of the season previous, scored a lot of goals in that lockdown period, looked really sharp, looked really good. But then last season, picked up that injury in pre-season, um, got a little chance, scored scored a cracking header against West Brom in about December time, November, December, never got a kick. And then when he did get a kick later in the season, just looked totally devoid of confidence, just didn't really have that stride about him. And I've got big doubts that he will this season. I want to be proved wrong, but I doubt I will be. Okay, uh, that's the longest answer to a question recorded by uh, Steve Wraith on the Liam Kennedy Show. 17 minutes for that answer, Liam. I only asked you if you had had a good week and if you enjoyed going to friendlies. I love friendlies. That's obviously the, the answer, isn't it? That's the answer. You took everyone's questions out of... Uh, out, but No, there's still some good questions coming in. Um, okay, Darren uh, Cowan says, do you think we'll actually have any new players through the door and table, West Ham, Liam? Uh, good question, Darren. I've got grave doubts, um, simply because of the timing. So what we're recording now on Tuesday, you're talking about 10, 10 days probably to be registered. Look, they're trying but I've got grave doubts. And what I would say, we're kind of getting to the point whereby if they do sign somebody within that 10-day period, they're probably not going to be part of the first team. They're, probably, they're more likely to be on the bench. Um, unless, well, even, even you sign a, a Joel Willock, he has not played a lot of football this summer. Um, I'm saying somebody like John Joe Shelby hasn't played a lot of football, of course, but, but I think he fits into the team. I think that there's probably it's less likely the new signing will be thrown straight in for West Ham. So it's increasingly I can't say of any any anything definite because things do change very quickly in this market. And you castinated Steve Bruce said irons in the fire. They have got a lot of players to spin at the moment. They're, they're, they've got a lot balanced on whether Joe Willock's coming or not. And if he is, if he is, then then a lot of those players will fall quite quickly. Um, but if he isn't, they're going to need to work really hard to to change that around. Um, they've got other targets lined up. Ross Barkley ranks quite highly on that list. Um, Conor, Gall Conor Gallagher did rank highly on that list, but I never really felt they were in. They were ever going to win that battle. It always felt like they were third in the three-horse race um, with Crystal Palace and Leeds. Um, but Ross Barkley, they've got a chance. Um, 
Some would say damaged goods. You can look at it one way or the other way. Some would say damaged goods. Other might, others might say he was in England, full England international, the regular in the first team, not not sort of 15, 16 months ago. So look, I think he's I think he's a decent player, but I think Joe Willock's the one that would add proper legs to this team. I think he fits in perfectly as well. I'm just la- laughing at Keith Rule's uh, question. He says, "Can you uh, repeat the answer to the first question, please, Liam?" I'll try. I'll try if you want a boring show. Sue Taylor says, have the last year's accounts for Newcastle been published yet? Uh, no. No, they haven't. No. Mr. Anderson says, question for you both. If we sign uh, Tuan Zabi, uh, who would you take out of the team? Of course, linked with this potential signing uh, from Man United. Somebody who Pete Davy on the show um, back end of last season you know, said we should maybe look at. Is, is, is any closer with that, do you think? Uh, you know, and, and who would you take out of the team link? It sounds like it's an exorbitant loan fee and I think it's something that would massively eat into Newcastle United's budget and I don't think it's something they're willing to, to do now. The big the big issue with the two and Zabi thing is, and I've said this on this show since the start of summer, that if you're fighting with teams who've got a bit more money and a bit more desire to sign players, and Aston Villa definitely fit into that category and would fit into that category even more um, should Jack Grealish get his wish, well, potential wish, and go to Manchester City this summer. Um then they'll come in with a cash bid and I could see them sign to Anzavi for, I don't know what his fee may be, but it'll be a lot more than the loan fee. It'll be a decent decent um, permanent fee. Um, and Newcastle just won't do that. They're, they're not in the market for doing that at the moment. So, like I say, it's it's somebody put it quite eloquently, actually. They, they sent me a tweet saying, you know, if, you, if you're waiting for scraps off the table, sometimes you'll end up with none. And it kind of feels like that a little bit this summer with Newcastle United that, that the scraps are falling and they just seem to be missing out on the bits and bobs that they need um, to keep themselves from starving. And I suppose we'll find out. I think I think when we do the show next week, we'll have a much better idea of where things stand. Um, I'm not, I can't sit here and say I'm confident they'll sign anybody. What I will say is I'm confident they will sign players by the end of the window. Um, is that going to be too late for the first couple of games? It certainly feels that way. It's getting tight now. John Askew uh, says, does a lack of funding for transfers show that Mike is still counting on a sale of the club, Liam? I mean, takeover talk quashed it all last week, to be fair, on the way down to uh, Rotherham. Um, I'm not even contemplating anything happening now until the end of September. And even then, I'll be you know, I'll be ecstatic if something does. But for me, it's, it's dead and buried, I think, with this particular one anyway. Uh, but does that lack of you know, funding for transfers show he's still counting on the sale? Um... Look, probably people with better contacts with me are linking the two together, but I kind of just see this as Newcastle United rolling along as it always has. If the money is there, it gets spent. If the money isn't there, it doesn't get spent. And that's kind of the way they operate. I don't think there's a lot of money there. I think if they do sign Joe Willock on a permanent, which has been suggested, I would be very surprised if they spent any more money this window. Um, I think they could possibly push to that. But... Look, I don't, I don't really connect the two. I think this is just Mike Ashley running Newcastle United the way Newcastle United runs. Um, I say Mike Ashley, he's not. I don't really think he's that hands-on in terms of the football club. I don't think he ever really has been. Um, obviously, he gets say so on big deals, etc. But, but it's Justin Barnes who's got the, the purse strings. Uh, Lee Charnley, who largely does a lot of the transfer talking. So, so it's it's. It's Newcastle being Newcastle. That's the way I'm looking at it. I'm not really saying... I, I, I Do I think the takeover's helped? No. I think the uncertainty has really rocked the boat and made everybody feel a bit unsure of themselves in whatever way that may be, whether that's players, fans, the manager, uh, potential new signings, people looking to come to Newcastle United. That uncertainty isn't really a good thing. We need like a degree of certainty. And Newcastle United looks like a really... It's not a great prospect for anybody coming in now, but um, look, you've just got to hope that they can they can sort of turn that round. And and with the takeover, I'll make a comment on that now. Look, it doesn't sound like it's look. If if you were to say, does it sound like it's going the right direction? Probably not. Um, but I think everybody knows that um, the delays are really causing issues. Uh, really causing issues for for the consortium, the buyers, the seller. They really, just want these delays. Any talk that it was some kind of uh, master stroke and move that uh, you know that that the club have done this deliberately for cat case etc to run and and look that's that's just a byproduct of, of a decision that they weren't very happy about 
or their, their, their briefing that they weren't happy about the delays for the arbitration. So, yeah, I think it's just going to be a watch this space one. Um, we'll have to wait and see how things develop over the next few weeks. It sounds like, you know, you're always hearing bits and bobs, you're always hearing bits and bobs about what's happening behind the scenes, what isn't happening behind the scenes. But at the moment, there's not a lot to report. Um, and I would say that isn't where, when previously I've been able to come on here and say it sounds like really confident. There's a lot of people briefing confidence and positivity. I would say there hasn't been for a few weeks now. Um, read into that what you will. Is that a is that a negative turn? I think it probably is. Or is it just quiet? Who knows? I think, like I say, it's with the takeover, and I think Steve will probably concur, it's just going to be a watch this space one for a few weeks, at least. Yeah, definitely uh, will be. But uh, rest assured, if we do hear anything and it's positive or negative, uh, you'll hear it here first, uh, not on other podcasts. You just like to ridicule uh, people uh, doing takeover talk. Andy Forsyth says, Evening all, Liam. Steve, is there any truth in the rumours that Arsenal want to keep Willocks, uh, Will- Willock and Lunas Alexandra Lacazette and the possible signing of Mackenzie Lacroix from Wolfsburg? Again, the papers have been full of... You know, rumours, and that's not um, something which is unusual in the summer, uh, but any truth in any of those? Well, I would probably rule out Lacazette at this stage. I don't know where that's come from. I know nothing of the guy from Wolfsburg. It's not a name that I've heard. And I'll always be honest with you guys on here. And I don't think Jason Wilcox is coming out of uh, out of retirement at, to sign for Newcastle United to provide <laughs> any bullets for, for Callum Wilson. But no, Willock, look, I think... I would be guessing if I know exactly what the thinking is at Arsenal, but my take on it has always been that they would sell him if they if they could get decent money. I don't really think he's a he's a part of their plans. Um, he doesn't fit in the team. He doesn't fit the way they play. Um, his lack of time in pre-season reflects that. Um, and I think he's a player that they've been keeping ticking over to potentially to, to potentially get out the door. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's it's a funny one with, with Willock. It could be one that goes right till the end of the window, but only Cassie United in a position where they can, they've can they literally got all their eggs in one basket until the last few days of the window. I would suggest they're probably not. Um, and I would say that by the, the, the sort of tone, the changes in tone and the, and the type of things that Steve Bruce is saying, um, having spoken in the, twice in the last week, I, I kind of get the feeling he's desperate for, for Willock. But... There's there's almost an acceptance there that there is com- it's coming to the point where Newcastle are going to have to probably move on, even though it would make him absolutely devastated if if uh, Willock was sort of sanctioned to leave and turned up at an Everton or or a Leicester. People are suggesting he was off at the Leicester. He might have been, but I just don't see where he fits in that Leicester team. To be honest, I don't think he would get a game, and I don't think it would be progressive for him to to make that kind of move. And if he wants to play get football matches, um, but yeah, there's talk talk of other clubs being interested. Um, it was, wouldn't surprise me for West Ham's having a look or somebody like that or an Aston Villa or they'd be a wash of money potentially within a few weeks' time. Um, but Willock is top of the list. But how long he castinated wait? I think that I think patience, in my opinion, is starting to wear thin. Stephen Locke's asking, I've saw Luke Edwards' report, he says that he thinks we'll pay 22 million for Willock, which essentially would spend our entire budget. I mean, could you see that happening if uh, you know season ticket sales are low, Liam? Um, you know, Willock had such a great end of the season for us. Um, if Willock was receptive to coming, do you think that would happen? Uh, I, I've always said that throughout the summer. I don't rule it out. You can't rule out uh, a cash buy on Willock. It still probably seems the most unlikely of the options. Um, I would still probably suggest, if you were to rank them, that a loan deal would probably favour. Um, doesn't favour Arsenal, of course, who are the selling club. That's the one thing. But that, that could be one that could be worked out or him potentially turning up elsewhere. Although the queue isn't massive for clubs who are interested. I think a lot of people will have been convinced by his, his scintillating latent form at the back end of last season. I think there would be other takers. Newcastle um, United do head up that queue. And it's just whether they can convince the player to come for another, come for another year. Or particular sign permanent because it's a big move. It is a like let's not beat around the bush here, but you're talking about a 21 year old lad who might not be damaged by another year on the fringes at Arsenal. Could easily get another loan move later in the year if he sort of agrees to a longer term deal and um, as they protect the asset. Um, and really, it's a big move. It's a big move for a young lad um, making that permanent switch. 
because again, not beating around the bush, but Newcastle United is a big step down from Arsenal. It's a huge step down in terms of the way the clubs ran, the infrastructure, everything about it is it's a massive step down. Um, and it's a big, big decision for a lad of 21. So I don't I don't envy it. I don't um I certainly won't hold it to him if he's having second thoughts. Um, because I think it's it's hard not to have second thoughts the way the situation is. Plus, he's been there since he's a kid. He's an Arsenal fan. He's Arsenal through and through. Um, he's developed all the way through there. He's been part of the Arsenal family since since he was in single digits. And look, it's not going to be an easy decision. Um, no. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Jacob, uh, we did touch on ESM earlier on. Uh, he's ill at the moment. The club aren't uh, you know, able to say what he's got. It's up to him to announce you know, what he has. But um, I think, you know, minds cast to what's been going on recently it wouldn't take a genius to work out what possibly is affecting him uh he's not packing these bags is he i doubt it uh very much let's let's hope not but um well he is oh. he is he, he does like a little trip to france every so often as we well, he does yeah he does like he does like that can stably buy herself uh buy the club herself and then the saudis buy and that isn't something that they're looking at no uh can you tell me how much we paid muto to leave he's on a hefty wage and had a year left liam says uh jordan I don't know. I think it was one of those that suited all parties, to be honest. Newcastle just cut their losses. It's not It's not something they often do with players, but it's basically freed Muto up to, to return to Japan by the looks of it. Um, I don't know the exact fees, but I can imagine he's probably got. He's probably been virtually paid up for the last year of his contract. That tends to be the way things work. Um, and Newcastle United have sort of freed up a space in their squad that otherwise would have to have been taken by somebody like Muto. Big shout out to our sponsors, as always, SpiderVPN. They're with us for another month. Google SpiderVPN. They come up at the top of the Google search list. If you want to protect your computer, protect your passwords, protect your photographs, these are the boys to trust. Give them a shout. Uh, skipsandbins.com as well. Telephone 0800 25 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Also, qtechshop.co.uk. John is out of hospital and he's in the chat room tonight. So, uh, welcome back, John. Uh, rest up, mate. Uh, it's been a tough ride with the COVID, mate, but uh, sounds as if you're on the mend, which is good news. Make us a pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End in Newcastle. And uh, also, the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to buy a t shirt, get yourself over to there. Uh, also, a big shout out to Jab Signature who make our flyers uh, good evening John I hope you're well and there are two new sponsors uh, must be because of the start of the season uh, Darren Baldwin Funerals independent funeral directors let us look after you in your time of need local direct cremations available from £1,495 and you can find them on 304 Old Durham Road Gateshead any 8 4BQ telephone 0191 478 2730 or email darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk is their website Darren was one of our very first sponsors likes to put uh, a sponsorship in once uh, each year's big big welcome to him and uh, as I said the start of the season's got everyone feeling like a funeral um, unfortunately family funeral directors L and G 0191 since that takeover uh, news broke I think that uh, the, the, the fact that everything was getting pushed back I think that's why we've we've been inundated um, you've got a few you've, you've got a fancy dress for it anyway Steve haven't you I have made the Vegas costume. Yes, I'll dig it out. Um, some some interesting ones. I know not everyone likes the uh, the true crime or the or the other interviews we did. We did Kelly Maloney last week. Got some cracking ones lined up uh, over the next couple of weeks. I'm definitely going to share them with you. Uh, Jamie Hull uh, wrote a fantastic book called Life on the Thread. Uh, I'm pre-recording one with him on Thursday. Uh, just Google him. Uh, fa fascinating story that one. Uh, I'm also interviewing Peter McAleese, uh, the man who was tasked with the uh, the job of killing Pablo Escobar. Uh, he's an SAS man. Again, uh, another great book. I'm uh, going to interview Peter and talk about his his life and time. So a couple of military ones there, but uh, well worth uh, looking at their books on Amazon. Uh, and uh, those interviews are to come in due course. And uh, as, as you know, we, we constantly do shows uh, every night of the week. Uh, tomorrow night is the retro night. We're looking at... Uh, joint we've never done a joint one before we're doing cardiff and swansea so that is wednesday night and uh, that'll be a pre-record uh, as i am in london on wednesday uh thursday night of course back with super mac and gibbo 
and Friday night we'll be back with the Fab Four and it'll be a live show on Friday night so let everybody know that and Steve will uh, or we will be finding out the, the new date of course for the pool night as well which we will have to uh, rearrange and the Christmas night will be also announced as well uh, if you haven't got your tickets move quickly a uh, couple of nights time uh, we will be at Bovix me and Liam to do uh, a little show for the food bank all proceeds going to the food bank at the punch bowl in Jesmond it's now called Bovix so get yourself along uh, and give us some support £10 a ticket and as I say all proceeds to the food bank and uh, still time to get tickets for me in Supermac although these are selling very quickly uh, and they are August the 19th at the farmhouse kitchen uh, £10 a ticket uh, for that one as well and if uh, you're going to the Norwich game at the weekend uh, we will be back doing our pre-match me and Supermac will be at the Dog and Parrot uh, and we will be there 12 until 1.30 uh, 12 till 1.30 Malcolm will be arriving round about quarter to one but we uh, are doing our pre-matches at the Dog and Parrot again uh, so uh, get yourself upstairs at the Dog and Parrot on Saturday if you want to come along and meet some of the crowd look forward to that okay back to the questions uh, questions coming in by Bruce already Liam can you please ask Steve Bruce why does he always say that he is delighted even though we are rubbish <laughs> I probably won't ask him that no I'm sorry but but no it's, I know it's something that does annoy people doesn't it um, when things are going well and when you don't particularly like a person, there are certain mannerisms that he has. I know some people pick up on it, the laugh, the smile, even when things aren't great. And, and it's just, uh, we had the one last last year, was it with Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United, where it was the arm around the shoulder or the, or the sort of laughing and carrying on type thing. And yeah, there are little things like that. Look, if Newcastle winning games and doing well, you wouldn't focus on it. But they're really not. And I think it is um, it is an annoyance and I get why people find it annoying. Yeah, Paul Wandless, uh, he has. Bobby Clark has gone to Liverpool. Yes, uh, we'll be getting Lee Clark on. He's busy sorting himself a new job out at the moment. So uh, Lee will be back on the show in the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, obviously got a bit to say about Bobby as well, I think. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting him on. Dan Bruce on Twitter says, what's the info on Bruce's contract situation? Is it a rolling yearly extension or is there a three-year sentence in the offing, he says? Uh, it doesn't sound like it's a new three-year deal, but there definitely has been an extension, and it would suggest that there's a roll-on, but we haven't had any official confirmation. Spoke to Steve Bruce. It was questions from uh, Miles Starfer, who works for the Shields Gazette, uh, and Lee Ryder as well. I pushed him on his, on his contract the other day, and he confirmed that, that it doesn't end at the end of this season. Had some people misquoting that and suggesting it was... Well, if it doesn't end in May, it ends in June. The question itself, I can absolutely confirm I was there. I was speaking with him at the same time. The question was, does your contract end at the end of this season? And he said no. So that would suggest he's got at least another year and does point towards some kind of rolling deal. It's not uncommon in the managerial world and it doesn't surprise us. I remember picking it out at the time, but the deal was signed as an initial three-year deal. Initial being the key word. And that's quite unusual in a contract um, to announce that. Newcastle don't tend to announce that kind of thing. Um, and, and initial was always the key word. So, yeah, I would just, I don't know if it's, a, it, I, I don't think it's a new deal that he signed. I think it's just part of, it's something that runs along as, as the current one. And that would suggest it's probably... Look, I'm guessing here, but keep Newcastle United up and, and it rolls on to the next season or, or hits certain targets and rolls on to the next season. And, and that's where we currently are, that Steve Bruce is contracted for this season and beyond. Yeah, OK. Uh, plenty of questions coming in on Twitter as well. Jay Toonami says, do you both feel more or less confident than this time last year? Personally, less confident and far too reliant on Wilson. I, I feel... After the Willock situation, I feel less confident going into this season as we are at the moment. What about you? Uh, less confident because last summer I had the boost of the likes of, I think Wilson was a really big signing. I thought Ryan Fraser was a really solid signing. And Jamal Lewis was quite an exciting signing. Things didn't quite work out the way everyone expected with two of those. Although, again, it's something that I've preached constantly on here. I think Jamal Lewis is a good player. He's just a young lad and he is still learning his trade, to be honest. Hasn't really played a load of professional games. Um, Ryan Fraser, massive disappointment. Ryan Fraser, if Newcastle want to play the way they do, does not fit in this team at all. It seems like there's a lot of lot of sort of square pegs and round holes, Almiron being the biggest one, but Ryan Fraser is a, is a is a winger. He's a proper winger, but Newcastle don't play with wingers at all. 
um, and just doesn't fit anywhere in this team. And I don't see how the season's going to be any better for somebody like Ryan Fraser, unless Graham Jones was back on Friday. He was in this. He was he was sort of taking a, a watching brief almost from um, sort of in the middle of the two dugouts. Wasn't really coming out, getting involved. But he's got a lot of work to do. And fingers crossed, he can he can have a couple of um, systems up his sleeve. That maybe at least one of them one of them incorporates these wide forwards because Newcastle United have got Joe Linton who plays that position, Ryan Fraser who plays that position, and Alan St. Maximin who also plays that position as natural positions. Over 500 watching tonight. We'll never take your support for granted. Thanks very much. If you're a first-time visitor, please subscribe. Hit the Newcastle Legends logo just down in the bottom right-hand corner. You can subscribe to the channel for free. You'll get notifications when we go live. Uh, you know, we do seven shows a week, so please. Uh, subscribe to the channel hit the thumb up underneath it's free again just like the video it does us a big favor and with over 500 watching it'd be nice to get over a uh, 100 at least thumbs up and liking the video and click share share the video to your social media and drop into the comments box to talk to like-minded newcastle fans okay so another question here from uh, colin wilson this is a good one he says uh, liam do you think because of the state of our club at the moment it's having an effect on bringing decent players in yeah yeah i do I think Newcastle United isn't a great prospect to anybody, particularly young players. Like you looked, for example, Joe Willock, who who enjoyed his time here, liked living up here, um, will be positive about the idea of, of a crowd coming back, maybe not a toxic one, but will be quite happy to come back to Newcastle United if things are on an even keel. But it isn't great. There's so much uncertainty at the moment. Um so little positivity because there's been no progress in the transfer market. Newcastle had gone out and signed a couple of players. I think Joe Willock probably is an easier signing, but the money isn't there. They're not really spending it. Um, so, yeah, I think it is. I think, I mean, I would throw that out there. Anybody go in the comments and say, do you think Newcastle is an exciting prospect for anybody? Say, for example, say if it was your son or your daughter who was a footballer and wanted to sign for a club like that, and really, would would that be something that you wanted? You mentioned the Lee Clark situation with Bobby Clark. I would argue that his his, his um, and we talked about this last week, I think, or maybe in the week before, that the players like that, that their their development is probably better served elsewhere. That's just the way Newcastle United is at the moment. Um, and I, I would say that on a first team level, if Joe Willock's going to come here and say, right, this is my big move. I'm leaving Arsenal for a reason. And I'm going to go there. And my target is, I'm 21. By the time I'm 23, I want to be in the England squads regular. Is Newcastle United the right place to come? If that's really what you probably want to do? Again, there's plenty of people who would argue it isn't. Yep. Uh, it's, uh, it's it's going to be a long, hard season, I think. Uh, Brian Hellens asks on Twitter, uh, can you ask Liam why the EPL haven't suspended Hoffman with reports linking him to money laundering? Obviously, we saw the Monzo news break earlier this week. And he thinks uh, he also says, do you think this could have an effect regarding the cat case with corruption being one of the issues. I mean, my understanding is it's probably come a little bit too late to, to, to be involved in anything to do with the cat case. I might be wrong. Well, it sounds that way, doesn't it? That it's it's probably too late. But what it does shine a light on is it, it's innocent and pro till proven guilty, is what I would say before I go down any avenues here, is that obviously that, that, that we're talking about allegations here and, and potential involvement. So I'm not really at liberty to comment on, say, should he be suspended? Should he not be suspended? I suppose that's genuinely down to the Premier League. Yeah, I would say the same. Uh, sorry to disappoint anybody, but that's just the way it is. Alan Thompson says, uh, I predict a crowd of 38,000 against West Ham. Been a big talking point, as Kevin Phillips saying that, of course, you know, Kevin Phillips, SMB, but from our perspective, you know, he's still saying that he doesn't think St James's Park will be a cauldron of, of hate anymore. It'll be easy to play there. Against West Ham, he reckons that'll be the lowest crowd in the Premier League for 20 years since the ground was increased. The tinderbox is already starting. I mean, what do you expect crowd-wise for that first game? I, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I don't think it'll be a full out, but I, I think it will be edging towards... I don't know. I, I've just got a feeling because people will want to go back for that experience. Yeah. I think we'll be hedging towards, certainly hedging towards 46, 47. But I, I I can understand people saying that it's not going to be as busy. People can pay, you know, pay as they want through the season if they're not getting season tickets. It doesn't mean the ground is going to be empty, but I still think there'll be a lot to stay away. But I, I think 46, 47 may for West Ham. But I think it'll be a full away end, which will make a big difference at the, uh, at the crowd. And like I say, I think there will be walk-ups. Newcastle consistently surprise when it comes to things like this. And even though I think season ticket sales will be down, walk-ups would also be down. 
I still think you're probably looking at something like a 44, 45 crowd would be my prediction. Mm, okay, it'll be interesting. I think for the games, the lesser games, Brighton, Burnley, you know, those type of games, Watford, yeah. I, I, I think we could I think we could be down to the the low forties and maybe it's just under forty for those. I, I still think we'll I still think we'll have a good average for you know for the Premier League and for this for this area. Do you know what I mean? Paul Oxley says thirty eight thousand fans doesn't affect Ashley. TV money is key. As long as that keeps coming in, Mike Ashley's making money. Fair enough, isn't it? Yeah, it is fair enough. It's 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 the huge it's a huge chunk, but I wouldn't underestimate um the 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 impact financial impact that that a lack of fans, a lack of um it's not just been it's not just been commercial revenues that are reduced in terms of in terms of uh, broadcast rebates or or lack of sponsorship of certain things. The boxes are coming to games. The ticket sales does matter as well. Um, people not buying the merchandise, people not turning up on match day has made a difference. And I think the the, the real life reflection of that is the budget that Newcastle United are operating in this summer. So to say it has no impact isn't right. Does it have a bit as big an impact as what it did 20 years ago? It's nowhere near because TV is king. Um, but there is, look, like I say, we're seeing the real life impact of fans not being in football grounds now. We're seeing that. So if Newcastle United's fans consistently stopped putting money into the football club, it would be damaging to the finances of the football club, which ultimately means they're more likely to get relegated and ultimately means Mike Ashley is less is sort of is less, going to be less happy with his with his investment and probably have to put his hand in his pocket to to keep the thing afloat in a lower division like he has two on two previous occasions. Yeah, um, BBC reporting that all 20 Premier League clubs have agreed to continue taking the knee in the fight against racism. That's no great surprise. I've, yeah. We've seen it continue. And um, yeah, I, I'm not against it. You know, I, I really don't understand yeah, people booing, really. It's uh, it's something they've decided to do and fair play. If they think it's going to make a difference, let's continue to do it. But it, look, the fact is, it, it probably isn't making a difference, but at least it's bringing the conversation to the fore. And I don't really want to... That's what I mean. Yeah, I don't really want to get too deep into this because I know there's like it polarizes views out there. Some people have very strong views on it. I have my own views, but I'll just keep them to myself. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, John Ditchie says, I'm expecting to see a football team boom like the country so after World War Two, but whether people return back to St. James's Park and watch Brucey Ball is another question, which is uh, another another good point. Um, Kenny reckons dealing, putting the uh, cat case back might have put Willock off. I mean, uh, it's going to, it's going to have an effect. You know, these players, you know, for all the, don't sit in the house watching exactly what's going on. It's, you know, the thought of a Saudi takeover at Newcastle and millions of pounds being ploughed in and playing alongside, you know, players that, that you can learn off is appealing. Um, you know, Willock now looking at St. James's Park saying the takeover might be off and I might have to be playing alongside, you know, Hendrick and um, Joe Linton. I mean, it's, it's a big difference. Uh, look, at the end of the day, I don't think Joe Willock's got a clue about the cat case. He's probably not sitting there on Arsenal's bench the other day worrying about the Newcastle United's cat case is going to run on the 27th or the 29th of September. But as you make the important point, Steve, the idea that, that there was a, a takeover, if that dies, then Newcastle becomes an even less uh, attractive prospect for anybody walking through the door. Uh, 100% Mags says he's heard a rumour that Ashley could go on a spending spree to protect his investment at the takeover. Any thoughts on that, Liam? Um probably just a rumour. It's not something I've heard. Um, it's not something I expect. Um, I think things are probably just going to roll on in a similar fashion to what they have for the rest of the summer, but with a couple of loan sign-ins. And I do see, I've said that all along, I think they will spend some money, but it's not going to be life-changing stuff. Uh, Mitch Hunter says, difficult to take this. Keep hearing Steve dismiss the takeover, but he's just doing what he's always done, and that's give his honest opinion. Difficult to see anything positive for Newcastle's future at this very moment. Yeah, it's all you can do. Give your honest opinion, and my gut instinct tells me this is over. Uh, Alan White, how come the young Paraguay kid Vilka is not getting any time with the first team? I mean, a bit like Elliot Anderson. I saw somebody commenting about him earlier on. I mean, these, these players clearly aren't good enough. Peru is from. Uh, yes, I think that could be one who does leave on loan. Um, I think there's a lot of players who probably will uh, depart on loan this summer. Vilka being one of them. Um, look, Elliot Anderson's injuries caused problems with the, with the loan. 
think Matty Longstaff will probably leave on loan. I think they're probably going to see between now and the end of the window, probably see five or six Newcastle players leave on loan, but mostly young kids. I love this question from Alan Thompson. He says, Liam, if Mike Ashley came on the show, what would be your first question that you would ask him? And mine would be, why the hell did you buy the club? Well, mine probably wouldn't be that. Knowing the reasons he, the reasons he bought the football club was to use it as as a boost to Sports Direct. You know, he bought, he came in and used it to push his sports brand. We all know that. It's something I think that uh, John Hall, who sold him the shares in the first place, has gone on record and said that that was the, the main reason as to why Mike Ashley bought the football club. Um, I would be keen to, I would be keen to know, and this is just off the top of my head, thinking back through the process, um, I'll be keen to know more about was it the was it the what was it that made you turn off? Because he was a he was a very willing participant in the football club. He was in, he looked to be enjoying owning a Premier League football club, and then the fun stopped. And the fun stopped around the Keegan um, departure. Um, I'd be interested to know what his thoughts were, his emotions, his feelings around that time, and was that the reason why he turned off? Because of this, it was such a negative reaction um, to the decision that was taken at the time. Um, with the transfers, etc., and things like that. Look, there'd be a million and one questions, absolute million and one questions. Um, there'd probably be some really re- current, relevant questions that you'd want to ask Mike Ashley. But look, at the end of the day, I think he's a man who does want to sell the football club. I don't think he wants to be owner of Newcastle United anymore. Um, finding buyers hasn't been easy um, because he, he does set the bar reasonably high. Um, he wants to make money off his asset. Um, and to be honest, it, it's a minor annoyance. Becomes a little bit more of a of an itch he needs to scratch when they get relegated. But realistically, in monetary terms, it still isn't a big problem for him. If Newcastle get relegated, it probably just means it becomes less saleable in the short term. Um, quick injection of funds taken back within two years upon promotion it's a minor annoyance. And as much as that hurts to say that because we're all so emotionally invested in it, um, that's just life and that's the way it is and that's the way he runs this business. Um, We could have had worse owners. It's hard to believe that at times. We could have had worse owners, but I am absolutely no Ashley apologist. You'll never get me apologising for the kind of actions, the utter disdain that he's threatening castinated fans with over the 14 years. Some of the incredible Shocking decisions, the way club legends have been tossed in the gutter. Um, the two relegations. Um, I grew up with Newcastle United that, that strive for more and strive to be better, not one that just um, exists and is now actually ceasing to exist almost as a Premier League football club, being the only one that hasn't even signed a player. I haven't even brought anybody in on a free transfer um, this summer. But we wait, we hope, we pray that that could come to an end soon. Um, people often ask me in my confidence about what will this happen, will that happen? The one thing that I've got absolute confidence about is that this will end. Absolute no, there's nothing surer than Mike Ashley's time at Newcastle United will end, and whatever comes after that, I'm not sure really. But there'll definitely be a party in this household when that man leaves, no doubt about it. Definitely will be a party uh, across Tyneside as well. OK, Dean asks uh, a million-dollar question here. He says, how do you think we can bring fans together and, and get those who want to chant Ashley out to put that aside for now and unite behind one voice against the Premier League corruption? I mean, I've seen talk, me and Holly discussed it last night on the show about protests for the West Ham game and pe- potentially continuing protests. I don't know too much about it. I haven't spoken to anybody involved. Um, but, you know, I... How can you, how can that happen? I mean, you've been to one of the friendlies, you did well, a couple of the friendlies, you've seen the fans, you've heard the fans, and for me, it was very split. Um, some some people singing against Bruce, some people praising Bruce, you know, to a degree, uh, having a laugh with them. Some people, you know, singing against Ashley. The fans weren't in unison with all of those songs. I've got to be honest. I joke with Steve Bruce on Friday actually when I got to chat to him a little bit about that, and I said, "You turning?" I said to him, "You turning the fans round?" I said, they even asked you to wave at one point. And then that was closely followed by the little chant after that I'll not repeat because I know this is a family show. But no, it's it's divided. A fan base as a whole, look, everybody's everybody's got their own opinion. You never, like, there's all this talk of, like, 
oh, it was such a divided fan base, this, that, and the other. It's, it's all fighting against each other. Yes, it is toxic in the moment, but ultimately, it's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And we don't all have the same opinions. Never all going to agree. And ultimately, I respect anybody's um, anybody's opinion. Do you want this takeover? Do you not? I respect it if you don't. I respect it if you do. Do you want Steve Bruce out? I respect you if you do. I respect you if you don't. Um, your opinions on Mike Ashley. You, you, should we protest? Should we not? You're never going to get a united movement. Newcastle United's last 15 years has proven that. Maybe we weren't quite as, or, or maybe in these modern, in the modern times, we're not quite as militant as a lot of people would have have themselves believe. Maybe it doesn't happen. I don't believe the same would happen to Glasgow Rangers or Celtic. I don't believe the same would happen at Manchester United, Manchester City. I don't believe the same would happen at Liverpool. I think there are, I just don't know if, and I don't know the answer to this, are Newcastle United or Jordies, are we wired different? Are we not quite as as angry about this sort of thing, even though we are? Are, are we are we militant? Because I don't think the things that have happened, that have happened at this football club over the last 15 years, and, and there hasn't really been a major kickback reaction. You've been involved in a lot of that, Steve, and I know it's something that, We've spoken about you've spoken about with other people, and it's it's it is almost impossible to unite a fan base. It really is. Yeah, it is. Herding cats is uh, Neil Mitchell's favourite saying, and uh, never a truer word spoken. Uh, Tim Cairns and Tom Dixon both ask the same question. Uh, make a prediction of our position in the league. I'm going for seventeenth uh, again. I think fifteen. Uh, 15 okay uh, lots of people saying great show uh, Ryan Sweeney says he can't for the life of me understand fans singing for Bruce it's mental look at everyone crying last season now they're singing his name it wasn't as wasn't really a, a, a singing his name and having a bit of banter with him a bit of a laugh yeah. with him but I, what I'm trying to say is people weren't in unison singing against Steve Bruce to be honest if you start singing against Bruce this early on and we haven't even kicked a ball it's not going to serve any purpose it's the Premier League that's prevented the takeover. Mike Ashley, we have to, you know, we have to believe that he still wants to sell the football club, but the, you know, the Premier League have prevented it for whatever reason. And we're in this position where we're very angry and we're going into a new season once again with, you know, very little investment, um, I would imagine, and pretty much the same players that kept us up last season, bar Willick. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I think a lot of people will vote with their feet. And I think that's the biggest protest you can do as a football fan because it means you're walking away from the club you love. You're walking away from going to the match on a day-to-day basis. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a desperate time. There are clubs worse off. We just need to look 10 miles down the road, of course. Um, but I think it's a bit like the Christmas carol. We're looking down the road thinking that could be us in the you know, Christmas future. We could be like Sunderland. We could have a huge stadium and we could be in the third tier of English football. And that's that's the big concern for Newcastle fans, and you know that we we do go down, but this time we don't come back up. And that that you know, what do you do? You know, even if all the fans were united, would it make a difference? I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. The chances of all the fans being united is zero. I'm afraid because there's too many, too many, you know, too many divides, and not all caused by Mike Ashley. Some caused by individuals. Some caused by groups. But. What can you do? Uh, I've tried. I've given up on that particular thing now. I've got no intention on getting involved in, in, in trying to work uh, to heal that. Let's leave it to let, let's leave it to other people. Tom Lynch says, "Depends who comes in as our owners. If it's not the takeover, then who?" As you said, Liam, the owners even worse than Ashley, which is a good point, Tom. There is, Tom. Said, look, look, yeah. Well, I, I want to quickly come in on that, Tom. Is, on, is that if you if you hadn't had the the carrot of PIF dangled. Um, then I think most people would rather have rolled the dice and had anybody but Ashley. I do think there was a lot of people thinking in that mindset. I think with a carrot of PIF and a potential big spend in Newcastle United um, run really professionally, is maybe making people become a bit picky. I don't know what the situation is, but I'm still kind of in the mindset, look, I'll be, I think supporting Newcastle United for large sections of this 14 to 15 years has been utterly grim. It has been horrible, really has. It's easy to forget how horrible it's been because we're on the eve of a new season. Um, you know, oh, oh, I'm going to buy the shirt on my right ticket. It's been horrible supporting Newcastle United. It has been like sucking the life out of me. And, and, and I can say it's probably been sucking the life out of 99% of people watching this show now. 
And if you gave me the option now and said, it's it's Ashley or anybody, I'd roll the dice. I really would. And I think there's probably a lot of people that agree with that. Of course, your financial minds, all that kind of thing, they'll come into the conversation and say, look, what could have happened? You could be Sunderland. You could be this. You could be that. You could be Sheffield. Sheffield Wednesday. You could be Derby County. You could be Burnley. You could be whatever. Really, is is, is this good enough? Are we happy just existing? I would roll the dice to say we can be better and let's give it a shot. We might be better because we ain't going to be better under Mike Ashley, full stop. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Nicholas says, heartbreaking for youngins. They must look at how upset the grown-ups are and must want now to deal with the daft club. Long gone are the days shoveling snow up the pitch to make sure the match is on. Alan says his particular protest is not going. It's simple. Until Ashley and Bruce go. Uh, yet some people I know like Bruce and think Ashley's a great businessman and keeps the club solvent. Yeah, there is always other people, uh, you know, who ultimately feel you know, like that. And, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. Christopher Duffield, he says, I think you should both be proud for doing this show, guys. It's difficult to be a Newcastle supporter, but I wouldn't change it. If you sold St. Maximum 50 million, who would you buy with the money? I'd buy Willock if, if that meant. I'd definitely bring Willock in. Um, I think you'd find it hard to attract players if you were going to sell one of your better players. I really do. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think we need a centre-forward. I know Liam and I, uh, you know, disagree on that. But I, I still think we need somebody else up front to score goals. You, you win games by not conceding goals and by scoring goals. I think we've got enough defenders. We've got enough, we haven't got a great midfield. But I would sign Willock and I would sign a centre-forward. If I had to buy two players and if we had £50 million to spend... I'd spend the money on Willock and I'd spend the money on a centre-forward. Or, you know, whatever. But, I, you know, that that's my view anyway. What about you? Uh, I'm only just going to answer this with, if you sell Alan St Maximum for £50 million, then it's a real statement of intent and not in a good way. And I think you're right in the first thing that you said, Steve, that, that it would be really difficult to attract players. Is Joe Willock really going to sign for Newcastle United if, if you're letting your best player or give you your best player, um, your most creative player, leave the football club? It would be a wrong, it would be a sign of, of a really negative sign if Newcastle did that. And it's not something, like I said, it's not something they want to do. It's something they're really, really keen to quash. Um, particularly speaking to people over the last uh, the last week or so, is that, that they've seen the fan, uh, the club have seen the fan reaction, the fan paranoia about uh, exits and, and things like that. And they were keen to stress. And again, I, can, I can't say that with any degree of certainty, but they were keen to stress that, that it was nothing to do with an exit. It was purely to do with this illness. Um, would I, who would I sign? It's a really hard question to answer because, like I say, I'm looking around the Premier League thinking Alan St. Maximum is the star player at Newcastle United. Everybody's talking about Alan St. Maximum when you play Newcastle United. Everyone's aware of him because of his flashy uh, nature, his skill, his goals, his creativity. And I think a lot of players would look at Newcastle United selling Alan St. Maximum um, towards the end of this window and think, sink and ship. That would be my opinion. Yeah, Paul Kinson said, is there a protest planned? Yeah, apparently um, there's certainly plans afoot by the sounds of it from what I've heard and seen on social media. And uh, Nothing concrete yet, but uh, yes, Paul, apparently there is. Um, I'll not be at the match. I missed the game. Um, I'm booked in for a trip to Abbey Road. A big music fan, me, and it's something I've planned since before COVID and uh, I'll be walking across the infamous zebra crossing, I'm afraid. So uh, at least I'll see a zebra. I haven't seen one with a takeover, but at least I'll see some something zebra related with black and white stripes when we're playing. But blame the Premier League and Sky that changed the bloody game. I was booked in for the Sunday thing and they'll never pick West Ham for the game. And surely enough, they did. So uh, there we go. So I'm actually missing the first game. Uh, Liam, time has beaten us. Uh, give us a quick plug for where people can find you, mate. Uh, so... A bit of a change. You won't find us at the Shields Gazette anymore. So I've kind of kept it under wraps over the last few weeks. You've probably noticed I've been less active on Twitter, writing less stories, um, involving less conversations. It's because I've been part of conversations and meetings with regards um, launching a brand new website that's going to be fully committed to not only Newcastle United uh, Football Club, but fully committed to uh, life in Newcastle. Um, it's called Newcastle World. It's part of a big push um, as part of our new owners at JPI Media, um, National World. Um, you may have seen I've published a couple of stories at national, on National World's website in the last uh, week or so. That's just to keep me busy. Um, but yes, I will be part. I've been, I've been picked off the Gazette, uh, brought on, cherry-picked um, to head up 
the new Newcastle World website that was fully launched. Um, the announcement was made uh, at around noon today, so I can fully talk about it without getting me wrist slapped this time, because I know I hinted at it a few weeks ago and got reeled back in. Um, but yeah, I can talk about that now. It's an exciting project, so keep an eye out for it. Um, fully launched the website on the 12th of August, and that's when you'll probably be hearing and seeing a lot more of me. Good stuff, mate. As always, thanks for giving us an hour of your time and uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, Liam. Bye, mate. Cheers. Again, but it's the only way you're ever gonna 